murder. Swerving with my circus, looking for a purpose. Pseudo clean record. Hope got I will open by asking you guys a yes or no question. Don't read too much into it, and please no. just answer yes or no. Right now, let me ask it. Josh, are you against immigration into the United States? No. Roger, are you against immigration into the United States? No. Okay, well, we got that out of the way. Because that, you know, that that's what the narrative is going to be is anytime anyone argues anything about the border, well, you're just against immigration. I think the three of us are actually kind of for immigration, but I'm glad y'all didn't read too much into that because there's a lot to say about are you again? Well, I'm against uncontrolled immigration, right? That's not what I asked. So, but they do that I mean, with everything. I, the deaf, yeah. the, the left does that with every single issue, you know. It doesn't matter what it is, whether it's abortion or it's voting rights or whatever it is, you know, they just automatically assume, well, you're a racist because that's what it is. You're just a racist. That's that's why you uh, don't support, you know, uh, abortions up to nine months. Um, it's why you don't support school, you know, or why you do uh, support school choice. It's why you don't support, you know, uh, illegal immigrants crossing our borders illegally because you're just a racist. That, that's what it is. So, Josh, I know we got actually, I think we got a couple new listeners out there, relatively new. Uh, when I say that, I mean, maybe they've been listening for the past 20 episodes or 30, right? And we've, we've talked about a lot of stuff. So I don't feel so bad about repeating things, but I want to get your thoughts initially, because we're going to talk about the 5,000 pound uh, armadillo in the room and what's going on down in, down in Texas and with the border. But what I'd like to do after you give your initial thoughts and you know, I'd like to give a quick rundown of what I saw, what I know is going down there, going on down there with my own eyes as far as like immigration. Okay. And what's going on at the border. So you go ahead. Man, I thought, I was hoping one of y'all at least buy me dinner first before we just jump right into it. We, uh, I got a, we got a lot to say, man. <laughs> yeah. I guess, I guess so, man. There was no, uh, no, no foreplay on this thing. Um, so my initial thoughts, and I have, a, I have a, a ton to say on this, what we are seeing right now is an informal convention of states. That's what we're witnessing, witnessing right now with other states that have come in and, you know, uh, sided with Texas. They, you know, a little, little hashtag that's trending on X now, um, uh, you know. Stand with Texas, so they're 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 standing with Texas, um, and it's a great not, thing to but see. But not with Greg Abbott. They're standing with Texas, but not with Greg Abbott, right, Josh? Yeah, not necessarily. You know, not necessarily with Greg Abbott, but yeah, they're they are standing with you know Texas, and it comes down to you know it really it such comes down poor to taste, such poor taste. They're they are standing standing. Greg Abbott is standing up to the government, kind of. Um, so you, you, you're throwing me off here. I, have, I, I was about to pontificate and, uh, you know, and, and drop some knowledge and say something profound and prophetic, as I always do. And you got to jump off that. I legit did not know that Greg Abbott was in a wheelchair. Like, I did not know that. So earlier <laughs> when I was like, you know, he's standing up to the federal government. And Luke, you know, of course, you know, 
can't help himself, which I would have done the exact same thing if we're being honest. Um, you know, Luke started shaming me because uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm ability shaming, I guess, uh, Greg Abbott. So, no. So, you know, we're seeing that. We're seeing a, you know, basically an informal convention of states, but the strongest language that I've heard coming out of a governor in a while, of, you know, in regards to the federal government is, you know, the, the letter that Greg Abbott published, you know, in the very first sentence of the letter, the federal government has broken the compact between the United States and the states. That's that is very, very, very strong language. And I love to see it. I love, you know, I love states standing up to the federal government. Um, you know, it's a it's a good thing. People are viewing this as a bad thing. It's not. It's a good thing that states are standing up and pushing back to the federal government. It just goes to show that, you know, the states can do it. They should do it. And if you, you know, and if you do it on the right issues, other states will get behind you and you'll have, you know, you'll have some, you'll, you'll have support out there. Um, you know, they, I mean, at the end of the day, the anti-federalists were, they, they were right. Uh, you know, they were, they were 100% correct. And this is why people are wondering why, you know, the federalists and the anti-federalists got into it during the, you know, the drafting and, and, and writing and uh, ratification of the constitution. This is specifically why, because if there was not a bill of rights, if there, if there was, you know, if, if, if there was not a 10th amendment, the federal government at this point would run roughshod over the states on everything. Um, you know, so, so this is why, you know, the anti-federalists and the federalists, you know, disagreed and, you know, why we have what we have and, and it's a good thing. So that was just some of my initial thoughts on it. So all of this is good thoughts and all of this is over immigration, obviously. And I'll, uh, without going into too many details, I'll, I'll tell y'all what is going on down there with respect to people crossing the border I uh, saw it with my own eyes, saw tens of tens of tens of thousands of people processed in this manner. And um, so let's just jump right down to it. So down at the border, we have various ports of entry, and then you have a lot of space between those ports of entry, right? Um, <clears throat> starting, I don't know, I think uh, starting before Title 42 went away, Title 42 is where we could just turn anyone away uh, because there's a pandemic going on and we're not sure if you have it or not. So nope, can't come in. So before Title 42 even went away, you started seeing a relaxing of those Title 42 procedures down at the border. So what's going on now is you've got a few different types of people who are crossing the border. Uh, the first type are that everyone's familiar with are the people that are sneaking across the border in the middle of the desert illegally, infiltrating the country for whatever reason. Okay, whether they're smuggling drugs, whether they've been caught and deported too many times, they're for whatever reason, there's probably hundred different reasons that are more that they're coming into the country illegally outside of a port of entry. So that is illegal immigration. Okay. They're not registering with the authorities, nothing. You've got another type of people that are coming across as soon as they're coming across the border uh, in big groups, uh, groups from anywhere from 10 to hundreds. Uh, they're being, I wouldn't say smuggled. They're being escorted across like through uh, a dry riverbed or through by across the Rio Grande, uh, through a wall or around a wall or over a wall or some, some fencing or whatever they're told by the coyotes, the people who are escorting them across. Hey, once you get across the river, turn left and start walking until you see guys dressed in green, which are our border patrol. As soon as you confront the border patrol, all these people know 
these millions of people that have come across, every single one of them that come across in this manner know that as soon as they see them, they claim asylum. And once they say the A word, the asylum word, uh, the Border Patrol now, according to the current policy, is obligated to take them in and give them an asylum hearing date. Uh, they give them an asylum a hearing date, and they let them uh, they let them loose along their to do whatever they want in the United States. Now, let me back up for a second. Every one of the people, well, ninety nine of the percent of the people I saw come over in this fashion, every one of them had a couple of things. But to a person, they had a little piece of paper. Sometimes they'd write it in the tag of their shirt or on the tongue of their shoe. They would have an address, a phone number, and most times a name of where they were going within the United States. Almost every one of them had that. A lot of them had phones. I'd say probably 85% of them had phones that had been wiped by whatever coyote had uh, escorted them across the river. And that's where they're going to go, wherever that address is. A lot of times it's major metropolitan areas, Chicago, uh, uh, Northern Virginia, D.C., Baltimore, uh, New York City, a lot to California, uh, major metropolitan areas. And at that point, the federal government uh, will basically take them where the, to the closest bus station of, or airport of where they want to go. Uh, when Greg Abbott or Mark, or uh, I almost said Marco Rubio, Ron DeSantis, you know, puts them at the doorstep of uh, Martha's Vineyard, that's close to where they wanted to go to the first place, which would have been somewhere in Massachusetts, probably. So anyway, that's what's happening. And when they're processed, three days. Three days, minimum about 24 hours, maximum. I saw people stay in the, up there in there up to 10 days if there was some problem with their, you know, paperwork or something, you know, because so many people and you got government workers processing these paperwork is going to get lost. Right. So what happens as soon as these asylum seekers, they're, they're given a court date. Like I said, they're supposed to show up at court at a future date to have an asylum hearing. Now, those future dates are anywhere from six months. That was the shortest one I saw. Six months away, the longest one I personally saw was seven years. Seven years until their asylum court date. And in that time, they're given, they're, they're paroled into the United States. So they're on a state of federal parole. So they're kind of in a quasi-weird legal position right there. So when we're talking about the border being flooded with all these people, it's mainly people who are claiming asylum. I'd say that's, you know, those are the known people we got. There are gotaways, right, that I, that I told you about are crossing in the desert. You know, uh, known gotaways are the ones that we catch on camera. Unknown gotaways are people we, we know they're crossing. We just didn't catch them on camera. So that's kind of what's going on, and that's all policy. That amnesty thing, it is all policy. We do not have to do that according to our current laws. We can close the border. That is completely within the law. We can close it and just, it's no, it's, the policy is, okay, I mean, remain in Mexico, oh, I guess that's a thing, but you don't, you, you're not allowed in here. Now, the problem is, guys, <laughs> again, I could talk for two hours on this, but there's a couple of problems here. Number one, this is a social media phenomenon. Okay, so as soon as they are paroled into the country, we give them their cell phone back. And what do they do? They call the person who's coming in a week after them to tell them exactly what happened. Hey, this is how long it took. Uh, these are the questions they asked me. Uh, but everything's cool. It's all cool. That goes out on social media, on Telegram, all these social media sites, back to the home country, wherever it's from, Uzbekistan, 
China, you name the country. It goes back there in that native language and says, we had no problem at all. Come on in. It's a, I mean, it, nothing's going to change until we shut the border. It's a social media phenomenon. It's not going to stop at all. So that's where we're at. That's where we're at with as far as immigration. Okay. So, and believe it or not, very few Mexicans are coming across in this fashion. People are like, oh, those damn Mexicans. No, there are not many Mexicans coming across the border claiming asylum. Not at all, which, which is interesting, right? So anyway, Roger, that's what's going on down at the board. I think I've exchange, explained that a few times. There's a lot more nuance to it, of course. Uh, but that, in a nutshell, that's what's going on. So well, and I think you're I think what you're saying with the court dates, you know, and, and I saw this last week or maybe the week before they're already into 2030 now. I think the uh, oh, yeah. I think they were saying oh, they're yeah. like 2032 or 2033. So, oh, yeah. your court dates right now, because there's so many. Right. Like, uh, you're just here, which is what the Democrats want. They want that nine and 10 year court date because here's what's going to happen. It's going to become Dreamer V2. Right. You can have some yep. sympathy for dreamers, you know. Little baby Josh was brought over by his mom and dad from Venezuela, and he was six months old. He didn't know what was going on. And, you know, little baby Josh grew up to be adolescent. Josh went to high, you know, went to junior high, high school. Next thing you know, you're a grown adult. And you're like, oh, by the way, yeah, you were, you were illegal, dude. Like, you weren't born here. You were just brought over. Okay. I can have some sympathy for that. Okay. And, and I think when you look at those numbers, and I don't know what they are off the top of my head. You might probably have a better idea, Luke. I would say those people in that specific situation – are probably a lot fewer than what they're reporting or what the media uh, wants to lead us to believe with this this uh, huge category of dreamers. Are you talking? Okay. Oh, dreamers. Okay. All right. Yeah. I, I, so one one point about amnesty. Okay, and I, I want to make this point. Sorry to cut you off. I'll kick it right back to you with the dreamers. But believe it or not, there is a percent. There are there is a percentage of people coming across claiming amnesty that have a legit claim of amnesty. Sure. A legit claim. Absolutely. And I'm telling you guys, of all the ones I talk to, and I know it's you can call it anecdotal, but I've been down there a lot. Okay. All the ones, not all the ones, but the majority, vast majority of the ones I talk to with a legit asylum claim, those are the types of people I want living in my neighborhood. Those are the kinds of people I want in the in the workforce. I don't know if that's, you know, I don't know what the correlation is there. I don't know, but the problem is so many false claims of asylum. If we just shut the border down and say, no, the, the people with the legit claim, we're going to have to screw them over. And that's where we are. But anyway, I just want to make that point that not every single one of the people coming over are dirtbags. Well, that's what but presents a, but the mo problem. But right? most are. But most are. That, that's what presents the problem for the Democrats, because this is really just a big Democrat political push. Because, you know, even you, you guys have talked about religion and abortion and this and that, whether, especially when you start talking about Latin American countries, South American countries, uh, heavy Catholics, that type of stuff. It's like, hey, man, their beliefs aren't really congruent with a lot of the Democratic base. Right. Uh, but going back to the dreamers, what they're creating is dreamer V2. And they're creating folks that are going to come across, be here 9, 10, 11, 12 years before their court date. They're going to go to court, um, you know, have their amnesty, you know, or, or asylum claim denied. Hey, man, they've been here 10 years. We can't just send them back. He doesn't even speak Spanish anymore. You know, you, you've heard that whole thing. So it's like, that's what they're doing. And that's what they want. You know, it's, uh, it, it makes no sense. And to me, I love the remaining, you know, people forget about, because right now, you know, they're beating up on the GOP as far as, and immigration has been broke for a while, right? We know that it's been broke since the Reagan years. 
Um, and the GOP, Republicans, Democrats, neither one of them done anything about it. The only one who did really anything was was Trump. And, and really, it was the remain in Mexico. And then going uh, to was uh, Honduras, uh, Guatemala, and was it uh, there was one other country, basically saying like, hey, look, um, if you don't stop sending your people here, you're not getting any more money, right? And what that does is, well, you know, countries can't lose money. So, hey, you know, okay, we'll, we'll hold back a little bit. And then, like you said, you lock down the border, have them stay in Mexico. How long do you think the Mexican government's going to allow 400,000 people to sit there? 500,000 people. I mean, it's growing daily, right? It's exponential. And so that problem, you know, uh, it does begin to solve itself. The second point goes back to exactly what you're talking about. You know, it's the, and that's part of what I see here in Arizona is, when you have folks that stood in line and waited in line for five years, six years, uh, when I've got neighbors that had to come across with $100,000 to start their own business and go back every five years to revalidate and have to prove that they are worth the society and this and that, it pisses those people off. It's like, well, why do you get to jump the line? And then, you know, like you're saying to your point, when you've got folks that have a legitimate asylum claim, like, hey, I truly do fear for my life because like you said, they're not all from Mexico. And you get some from Central America, you get some from, from South America, but they're coming from all over the world. And you've got folks with a legitimate asylum claim that, one, you're just going to be lumped in with the masses. Uh, and I guess, you know, temporarily it's a good fix because it's like, well, yeah, you know, you're, you're quote unquote, like you said, paroled and you can just kind of hang out in the U.S. for a while. But I mean, dude, that's, there, there's zero stabilization in any of that. How do you start a life like that? Uh, they're not doing them any favors, you know, lock the border down. Go back to the agreements that we had, make them stay in Mexico. That's a start. That won't fix everything. I get it. It won't fix everything. But that's a start. Stop the hemorrhaging. And then from there, you just start working on immigration processes and immigration reform. Hey, you know what? Why don't we have more judges? Hey, like we talked about Rudy Gianni and the, and the school buses up in New York City. Put a damn school bus on every block down there on the border. You know what? I have a federal judge sitting right here. You're going to have your asylum case heard right now. Because when I find out you came from Juarez with your three kids, guess what? Yeah, your asylum claim is denied. And that'll take care of 90% of that stuff. But you know what? I think it's a problem that both sides of the of the, of the political spectrum, when you look at Republicans and Democrats, neither one of them want to solve it. I mean, that's very clear. We've gone back and forth to where we've had Democrats with complete control of the government. We've had uh, Republicans complete, you know, complete control of the government. All I do is talk. Uh, nobody really wants to solve the problem. I think, you know, it's funny because when they when they try to read the tea leaves, I think they believe these uh, immigrants, Ill illegal aliens, illegal immigrants are going to break in their favor voting wise. Right. And a lot of it for things that we've already talked about with the cultural beliefs and, you know, the Democrats probably believe, well, hey, man, we helped them get in here. So they're just going to vote Democrat, you know, uh, when, when they come over, if we're the ones to let them in. And I think they're both reading this wrong. But the the numbers are just staggering. Yeah, but I think the Democrats are thinking that. But I'm going to go with the Josh on this and say the Republicans, same as uh, entitlement programs, they're not going to touch it because they're too scared. They're too scared to touch it. They're too scared to be called names. It's going to be too hard of a fight, so on and so forth. That's why the Republicans, I don't think that they think that the, I, I, I'm not saying you said this, but the Republicans don't think those votes are going to break in their favor. Republicans are just wusses who are too scared to touch the issue because it's too hard, just like entitlement. So, Josh, you've been quiet for a while. What's What's going on in Texas? <laughs> <laughs> so, <clears throat> I don't know. So, so, you know, when we look at this, I, you know, I, I, I take a little bit of a different stance on, you know, the whole 
are, are good people going to get screwed over if we close the border? Are there some asylum seekers out there who have legitimate asylum claims? Yeah, sure. You know, are, 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 the, are good folks going to suffer because we shut down the border and we say, done, no more until we fix it? Yes. I am perfectly okay with that. I'm absolutely 100% okay with it. You guys remember, uh, you guys seen Crimson, Crimson Tide, right? The movie. Denzel, Gene Hackman. Yep. Remember when you got the three dudes in the, the in the engineering compartment and it's flooding and they have to close the hat, they can't get out and they have to close the hatch or else the whole sub's going to go down and everybody's going to die. And they're like, okay, well, we got to close the hatch, which we're condemning those three to death. But the rest of the ship, you know, rest of the sub and everybody else is going to be saved. It's, a, you know, I mean, it's a sacrifice of you to save the many. And for those out there listening, if you haven't seen Crimson Tide, spoiler alert, um, you know, so if we close the border, are good asylum seekers and good people going to suffer? And could they possibly, you know, not make it? Could people die in the, you know, drown in the Rio Grande because there's, you know, triple strand sea wire, you know, running the length of the border of Texas? Sure. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, looking at the numbers, approximately six million illegal immigrants have crossed the border in the last three years. Six million, all right, in the last three years. That's an approximate number. So that is more than 33 states combined. All right, when you think about how many people that is, that is more than 33 states combined right now. And so, like Luke said, the numbers are staggering. And so at a certain point, you got to turn the faucet off. You've got to close that hatch on those three guys to save the rest or else it's all going to go down. All right. And you talk people, you know, the same people who are concerned about hospitals being full during COVID. Okay. Well now we're, you know, we're, we're allowing illegal immigrants, illegal aliens, because that's what they are into our country that are, you know, I don't want to say they're sucking up our social services, but they are, they are, you know, they are utilizing our social services in place of actually, you know, uh, in, in place of our citizens. So when people talk about hospitals being crowded, okay, well, there's people in that hospital more than likely that aren't supposed to be here to begin with, or they're here illegally. You talk about, you know, the police can't come and help me because, you know, 911, I get a busy signal. Okay. Well, there may be other, you know, they, there may be folks using that that aren't supposed to be here. They're here illegally. All right. And you take a look, I, you know, pick your social service. I, Go ahead. Can I just, Okay, I just want to because I I'm I, I'd like this to be a discussion really, uh, like you get your thoughts on this. I'm getting hung up on the semantics of this, okay? Because they crossed the border, whether the, whether they claim asylum or not. I'm talking about the asylum seekers, not the people who snuck across, right? They crossed the border illegally, right? But yes. once they're turned loose into the country, I'm I'm saying that this is how the administration, the current policy reads. Once they're paroled into the country, they're no longer illegal. They are parolees into the United States awaiting a hearing. So I, 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 I guess I cringe a little bit when I hear this. They're all here illegally. It's like the, the policy. And I, I'm not saying I agree with it, but this is the tack they take. It's like, no, they're not here illegally. Don't you understand? Don't you understand uh, Culper's Canteen Cup? They've been paroled in the United States. They're not here illegally. It's like if we de if we determine that their asylum claim is no good, now you've got to go, and if you stay, now you're illegal. I'm just I'm just 
clarifying. I, I, I sorry to interrupt your train of thought, but it's just the kind of it's like people don't are, sometimes folks out there don't understand what they're saying. Not you guys, but I'm just giving you context. So my question on that would be, and I don't know, um, legit question. Is it a policy or is it a law? When someone is paroled into the United yeah, States. Yeah, when an asylum seeker, yep. Yeah, is paroled, right? They're, they're, everyone's acknowledging that they crossed the border illegally, okay? But on the books, the law is once you're paroled, you're paroled. You're not on an illegal status until you have your asylum hearing date. So – Okay, so that, that's, that's a federal parolee. Yeah, you're you're a parolee at that point. The, okay. The, 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 right. the policy the policy is meta to that. The policy is we're allowing them to come in and place uh, an asylum claim in the first place. <laughs> they should. Go I think they're just skipping over the. They're just skipping over the illegal act because, and I'm talking about people yes. that do not come over. Yes. Right. I, I'm talking about not not talking about people come through a, a port of entry and claim. Yada yada. I'm talking about people that are that are coming no, across no, no, no. the river. Like so, policy may state that they're a parolee as far as their status. You still illegally cross the border, so they can they can dot that I, cross that to T me, however they want to. to. You know, it's they're still to illegal. me. To me, that's that, that's equivalent to fruit of the poisonous tree. I don't care. Um, yeah, I don't exactly. care what your claim is when you find the you know the men in little green you know in in, in uniforms, and you know they tell you to auto, and you know put your hands up, Manos Arribas. Like, I don't care. I don't, I don't care what you tell them you entered illegally. So that's basically that's fruit of the poisonous tree. I don't care. I, I don't care what you have to say. At that point, you should be turned around and you should have to swim back. If you want to claim asylum, I have no problem with somebody going to an authorized port of entry, showing up with all their papers and saying, Hey, check it out. You know, I'm from Mexico and you know, the cartel is after me. I'm going to be killed. My family's going to be schwacked, you know? Yeah. Or, you know, a consulate or an embajada de Estados Unidos, um, you know, and saying, Hey, look, here's my issue. I got no problem with that, but you just can't, you know, you can't come in over here, you know, crossing the dead at night or, you know, in the middle of the day. And then all of a sudden, you know, you turn around and you're like, well, so you see what happened was I'm claiming asylum but I traveled here from Ecuador and I crossed seven, eight other countries to claim asylum here. No, your shit don't work like that. You claim asylum in the first country you come to that ain't yours. And so we, you know, it's like, Oh, well, you know, I, I, I claim asylum because I'm in trouble in Honduras. It's like, okay, well let's pull out a globe and let's check that out. You could have claimed asylum in a few other places that you had to cross to get here. And especially when you take a look at folks now, a lot of people coming across the southern border now aren't even from Central or South America. There's a number uh, that are coming from Europe. There's a number that are coming from Africa. And the ones that are coming from Africa and the ones that are coming from the Middle East, I'm telling people, they, you don't want them here. You do not want those people in the United States because they are not going to assimilate into our society. There And there is no you – know, you take a look – Hey, the United States is so stupid. It's, just, it's so stupid. You take a look at what's happened in Europe, even before COVID. When you take a look at what's happened, you know, with, with their, uh, we'll take, you know, we'll take all these refugees and stuff. It's like, okay, well, you know, I mean, there's places in Sweden you can't walk around. Women can't walk around now without getting, a, you know, sexually assaulted or raped. All because of, you know, quote, diversity is our strength. Well, 
No. You go to any other country in the world, they expect you to assimilate into their society. They expect you to learn their language and assimilate in a society. We're the only ones that just show up. And we were really stupid when we resettled all the refugees from Somalia, from the Middle East, you know, in our Ill, ill-informed war in Iraq. We were like, no, we'll put them all together in Dearborn, Michigan. We'll put them all together in Minneapolis, St. Paul. We'll put all the Syrians together in Jacksonville, Florida, you know, so that way they have a sense of community. Yeah, that's a really bad idea. There's a reason why we separate POWs is to keep them from, you know, getting in, as, as my as my grandmother would say, in, in cahoots, you know, uh, with, with each other and, and doing things they ought not to be doing. So, you know, earlier I was when I was talking about, uh, you know, about Crimson Tide. It's like we have to first off, we got to stop the bleeding. All right. Before we can start talking about immigration law and reform and policies and whatnot, we have to stop the bleeding. You got to get a tourniquet on it. Um, you got to close that close that proverbial hatch. Um, so I guess you know this would this would be a question for uh, you know for both of you whoever whoever wants to tackle it. So I'm reading from uh, Greg Abbott's letter again. And in it, you know, he says, Jay Madison, Alexander Hamilton, you know, the other quote, you know, quote unquote visionaries. Um, I'm going to go with the uh, with the anti-federalists. You know, who wrote the Constitution foresaw that states should not be left to the mercy of a lawless president who does nothing to stop external threats like cartel smuggling, you know, illegal immigrants on the border like Luke described. So two part question. One. What would the founders do at this point right now, right? Because we didn't necessarily have to worry about the international border, you know, with with, with Mexico during the, you know, the drafting and writing and ratification of the U.S. Constitution. And two, what is the duty? What is the primary duty because there's, if you go look at Article Two of the Constitution, it outlines the executive branch and it outlines the duties of the president. There's seven specified tasks for the president. What is the main priority? What is the main duty of the president of the United States? And I mean, this is not it, it's not a stump to chump thing. Like you know what? Because there's you know it's outlined in there. Um, you know, some people have some opinions. I you know I have mine, but I want to I want to get your guys' take. So that's that's either one of y'all. It doesn't you know either one of y'all jump on this. Actually asked three questions there. Oh, was it? My bad. Florida Public Schools, baby. Uh, so what would the founders do? Uh, it springs this stuff on us like that. It, it's very interesting what, what the founders, what their f- philosophy might be on this. I think I know. I think I know what. Uh, shit. I, you know, I'm thinking of Alexander Hamilton. I'm thinking of uh, James Madison. But I'm also, hmm, you know, Andrew Jackson would have had a would have had a uh, interesting take on this, as would have uh, Calhoun. Remember? <laughs> oh yeah, Vice President <laughs> Calhoun. <laughs> you know, I didn't as I'm as I'm formulating these thoughts. I didn't realize until today that uh, long before the Civil War, I think in 1823, there was a nullification uh, problem within the United States. Yep. And honestly, you know, I don't like it when people say, you know the civil war when it was fought was, was not about slavery. Well, 
Yeah, it, it, it was. You know, it, of course, it was states' rights. But if it truly was about states' rights, maybe 18, I think it's 1823 when the nullification uh, issue, that's when they probably really should have gone to war if it was truly about states' rights. Because uh, the northern states were hurting uh, because uh, manufactured goods were being imported from Europe at a, at a far cheaper cost than what these startups in the north could produce these manufactured goods for. So basically, the federal government came out came out and said, "Well, we're going to make it. We're going to have a tariff on manufactured goods. So basically, it's going to make it too unaffordable to buy manufactured goods from Europe, and you have to buy it from the north. You have to buy an inferior product from the north uh, for more money than what you would have paid to begin with." So the South was like, "Well, what the hell? We're the ones absorbing this cost, and we don't make manufactured goods down here. You are putting a tariff on us, effectively." So there was a whole debate on, and this kind of goes back to the Texas thing. And I know I'm not addressing your question directly, Josh. But this goes back to the states thing where it's like the southern states were like, well, we don't have to abide by this. Because to us, this is it's not necessarily illegal, but this is blatantly punishing us. So, th- But this was something the federal government was doing, not not doing. Because they're not doing something at the southern border now. So it's a little bit different different scenario. And the way that all shook out in 1823, the nullification was uh, they actually uh, they actually all kind of worked it out. Uh, they kind of all met in the middle. And uh, the federal government actually did back down to the south a little bit. They kind of met them halfway. Right. But then you have let's let's back. Uh, let, let's fast forward to. Uh, Old Miss, when was it George, uh, not George Wallace, who's the governor? Was it George Wallace, the governor in Mississippi who wouldn't allow uh, the black students to attend? Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. Kennedy. So Kennedy had to put 31,000 troops around the campus of Old Miss so they could effectively integrate that campus because the, the governor was not allowing it to happen. So there's two different scenarios there where the federal government can actually back down and work with the states. Or the federal government can come in, activate the National Guard, and you know put troops everywhere to make sure something happens in defiance of what the government's saying. So a lot of this goes into the supremacy clause of the Constitution, which is which is very interesting, right? Uh, so which you, y'all know about the supremacy clause, right, Josh North? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Like, I, and I got some stuff to say on that after Roger has. has so I, you know, with the with the you know times were so different back then, and uh, you know with the with the founders, right? When you're talking about uh, Madison and and Hamilton and uh, uh, I'm forgetting the big one. <laughs> Why am I forgetting the big one? He's my favorite, Jefferson. <laughs> I was about to say this guy called Jefferson. Je- yeah, the little the guy called Jefferson, who's actually my favorite founding father, but. Uh, you know, times were different back then. I often wish that we could have a time machine. And how long do you think it would take you to actually say, okay, this is what's going on now. We have this thing called mass transit now. We can actually get from the West Coast to the East Coast. It doesn't take, you know, uh, two years and four cases of dysentery. You can actually get there in four hours now. <laughs> and we've got this thing called the Internet. And it's hard to say. I think that in this case, Josh, uh, the founding fathers would side, and we haven't really even discussed what's actually going on in Texas, you know, uh, with Greg Abbott, because I'm sure most people are tracking that. But we'll, we'll get there. I would like to think that the the found the found most of the founding fathers anyway would side with Texas on this one. I think they would side with Greg Abbott because 
I think they would agree with his opening statement. I have it right here has broken the compact uh, between the United States and states. I think, though, that his first point of shall protect each state against invasion, I think that might be a little sticky. That might be a little tough to because I think that their term of for invasion was French, British, you know, I mean, these major armies coming across. Now, colloquially, colloquially, invasion, I think most people think a standing army invades your border. This could be considered an invasion, but I'd have to look up, I guess. But it's it's generally a standing army of foreign forces is, is coming across armed. I like the second point, uh, the right of self-defense. I think that if this does go to the Supreme Court, they'll take that one up. It's Article 4. Uh, I know it's uh, triggered Article 1, uh, Section 10, Clause 3. Um Yep. The, which reserves the uh, this state the right of self-defense. I think that's a more solid argument than invasion, because I think invasion, there's too much language there. But I really think the founding fathers would would side with uh with Abbott on this one. That was a lot of talking, and I only answered one of your of your uh of your three or four questions. Yeah. So uh, what were the other two? And then I'll kick it to Roger to maybe tackle those. What's the primary duty of the president of the United States? There was another one too. I can't recall. I'm sure we'll go come around to it. One with the founding fathers, they would have ignored the, the SCOTUS ruling. They would have ignored the the president um, because I think there is a difference. Where, and I think you're on to something with the whole self defense. And this, you're talking about state resources at this point. Okay, you're not talking about uh, that. You know the the federal government sending down an aircraft carrier and putting all these illegals on there and all these asylum seekers and hauling them back to D.C. or New York or whatever. I mean, these people. You know, let, let's not even talk about the port of entry folks. Just the people that are coming across. They and and maybe it's lack of a, a better term, but they are invading. And now you are using. Uh, state resources, right? Uh, and, and I think that state, that governor has every right to protect that and defend that. Uh, so, you know, I think in this case here, and, and it is interesting when you start talking about how, how many states did you I think they said it was 24 states now have, have signed on, 23, <clears throat> that now agree. I thought it was more than that. But anyway, I think I thought it was more than that, but go ahead. That are now coming, I don't want to say coming in, but they're now agreeing with Texas and their position on this. Here's what's interesting about this. Uh, you know, I know we're going to get into it a little bit. Josh will dive into it, the whole Posse uh, Comitatus Act. And we talked a little bit, we were chatting back and forth a little bit with National Guard troops and this and that. And, it, and it's pretty clear. I mean, there's a pretty clear line there. What would be interesting to me is if other states sent their national guard troops down to the southern border in texas i know they've got a couple anyway i think that are helping yeah. out but like when you start going down the road of posse comitatus when you start going down the road of federalizing troops activating national guard under title 10 that type of stuff um that becomes very difficult you know it's one thing if you're just gonna say okay texas national guard we're gonna do that right uh it becomes a very very different ball game when you also say okay well now I i'm actually gonna have to do that to half of the states that are sending troops down to uh, down to Texas to protect the border. I mean, I, I think that puts them, and, I, and Josh, I think in, in the text you were saying, it was like, it, Joe Biden is in a no-win situation here. I mean, because one, I think there is enough support from the states that, dude, the, the federal government, I mean, what's the federal government really going to do? They're really going to come in and just start arresting folks? I mean, are they really just going to, uh, you know, 
bring in, uh, I, mean, I guess you could bring in the Coast Guard that's not subject to the Posse Comitatus Act, but you can bring in some folks and just like, you know, you're bringing U.S. Marshals and everybody. And you're like, hey, we're just going to start arresting folks in Texas. I mean, there's no wind to that. And then if you totally ignore it, uh, you look weak. You know, you, you look like you look absolutely weak. So I think, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens down there real quick on. Well, let me let me go back to Josh's other question. So when you and I'm not as well versed in Article two, but the main thing, like from what I recollect with reading the Constitution and, and the powers of the president, uh, there's really not a whole lot listed in there other than like the commander in chief and like some treaties and some like international things that 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 he is uh, that he's responsible for. Uh, there isn't a whole lot of, uh, you know, domestic, you know, specified tasks that are laid out for him or her or what have you. But I think with this case here, and, and we can get into the Texas thing specifically with the Supreme Court ruling, Josh, I don't know if you want to go down that road or if you're prepared for that or whatever. But, you know, basically, Governor Abbott put up a lot of concertina wire. Uh, and, and here's what pisses me off, too, because I was actually looking for the Supreme Court ruling on this thing. I mean, it wasn't an official ruling. It was an opinion, right? Uh, they vacated the stay or whatever that the lower court did. But I was trying to look for the actual right because a, a lot of times it's all like we've talked about with other Supreme Court cases. It's all in the verbiage. And what pisses me off is like a lot of this stuff is trickling out now. So, you know, there's concertina wire everywhere there. And from what I can gather was the concertina wire was blocking a quote unquote federal boat ramp or the boat ramp that the, the CBP was using. And the problem is, you know, the federal government, they just, they've been lying about this whole thing. I was listening to Gutfeld earlier today and he was talking about everything from the, you know, the, the CBP guys, you know, whipping Haitians on horses and this and that to the drowning incident that, oh, by the way, yeah, that kid had actually drowned. The kid, the mom had actually drowned like an hour ago uh, on the Mexican side, not even, you know, not even to deal with here. But, you know, the whole point was there's concertina wire everywhere and the CBP could not get to their boat ramp. Um, and again, this is what I'm gathering from the news and stuff to save the lives of those that were in distress. Okay, alluding to, I think it was a mom and, and one kid, correct, that, that drowned in the river. Uh, alluding nope. to, we couldn't get there to save their lives because Governor Abbott and his concertina wire prevented us from accessing the ramp, uh, which was completely false because they were already dead. They were dead an hour prior to that. Okay, now from what I understand, uh, listening a little bit more to the news today was that the uh, the opinion from the Supreme Court was, uh, well, you have to provide them access in cases of emergency, right? Yeah. So, or they can cut it in cases of emergency. Yeah, they, they can, cut, the they can cut it. They can cut it. But this right. is important to understand. If they, it, it, it outlines that they can cut it. But anyone who says that Texas is doing anything illegal by erecting more barriers, the Supreme Court did not say they couldn't elect, exactly. erect more barriers. Exactly. It just says that, well, the federal government yep. can cut those barriers. So that's important. And Anybody who says at, Texas is doing anything illegal is is full of shit. And now I think you really get into real estate because in my mind, and I know this is overly simplistic, and, and Luke, you've been down there, so you've got a, a much better perspective on this. But it's like, okay, you want to say I can't put my concertina wire up right around the boat ramp because it's federal property, wherever. Okay, you can make that argument. I get that. That's like saying, you know what, Virginia and Maryland saying, hey, you just can't get to D.C. You can't get to the Capitol, right, because it's our land. And you, I, okay, I get it. Back it up 20 yards. Hey, because that solves a lot of that. You know what? I'll back this thing up 20 yards. You can have your little territory here to process all of these illegals that are coming over. And then you bring your ship down here or your trains or your buses or whatever you got to do. You pick up these illegals and you take them back to your place. You don't just let them loose in Texas. Right. 
one of the places I did not go was Eagle Pass, where Shelby Park is, where they they concertina wired everything off around Shelby Park. Okay, it's it's not a huge area, but it it's it's a decent area. Now I so I'm kind of talking out of my ass here, but I have been down to other areas and I, I kind of see what's going on. I do think this is a strategic play by Abbott. I think this is exactly how he wanted it to go. Um, I, I, from what I gather, uh, and Diego's listening right now, and he's like, "Dude, Luke, come on, you've been out of the business too long. You don't, you don't know what's going on." But <laughs> from what I gather, CBP was using that as a marshalling site to gather all of these right. immigrants up. And then take them, you know, bus them to the processing facility and then let them loose, you know, somewhere else in Eagle Pass to await transportation to wherever they're going to go. Right. So Texas was like, okay, you know, I'm sure it's stre- resources to Eagle Pass are stretched beyond, beyond the pale, beyond the breaking point. So Texas is like, okay, well, Abbott and, you know, uh, Paxton, whoever's like, okay, this will be a good spot to do this, you know, um, because believe it or not, you know, down down at the border, DPS and BC, or BP, Border Patrol, they actually get along. They're not at each other's throats. It's more like Border Patrol apologizing to the DPS every time they've got to screw them over. I mean, these sure. guys know each other. They're on a first-name basis. And, you know, the poor BP guys are just like, I, I'm sorry, guys. i got to feed my wife and kids. You know what I mean? I know it sucks. But, you know, some of those guys, a lot of those guys, I know how Josh feels about that. But a lot of those guys feel like they have no choice. I was just following orders. How did that work out at Nuremberg, brother? But anyway. So, so let me, I, let me I throw think, one other thing real quick. Let me throw one other yeah. thing real quick while you're sorry. this thought. And then Josh can, can hit this up as well. So with SCOTUS coming out with that opinion and the federal government suing and this and that, uh, what's happening to Mayorkas? I mean, dude, I would full throttle that impeachment, right? Dude, I okay. So I have this written down, and I, I have it starred right here. And I think I, I, I hear you, but I have it. I'll read it word for word. Mayorkas impeachment is bullshit. Okay, because Mayorkas, if there ever was, it's like so. What's Mayorkas doing? All he's doing is executing exactly what the administration wants him to do. He's not some rogue element within the administration who's just off doing his own thing. All this stuff. Like he's just following he's just orders. Following orders. Just exactly. <laughs> so it's like the problem isn't necessarily my Orcus, even though he's a spineless impeach him. bureaucratic. You're, you're making a point. Piece impeach of him. garbage. Impeach him. Like, okay. So, but that doesn't, what is that? That's just a bandaid on, on a, a, a gash flesh, you know, a, a, a sucking chest wound. It's like, yeah, it makes you feel good. Here's my point. No, With what my it Orcus, does is impeaching it makes, him when, and makes you feel when, good. No, it doesn't. When they when they bring somebody else in, what what ends up happening is it puts the blame solely on the administration, not on one individual. Because right now, Mayorkas has made he's the scapegoat, dude. And I, dude, I get, I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. I hear what you're saying. It's like he's just following orders. It's not his policy. Da 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 da. No, and when you I, when you impeach him, you put somebody else in there. I think that blame solely goes on the administration and not Mayorkas, the bad guy. I am not giving Mayorkas a pass at all. The guy's a piece of garbage, piece of garbage. But exactly right. But, you he know, should make resign. Him the, if he had a shred of dignity, he would resign. Yes, right. absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I guess impeach him, make his life difficult, make it more difficult for the administration. But I, I just think it's just a show. I think it's just a show impeaching him because it's not his. Even though he's part of the problem, it's not his fault. It's the administration's fault. This isn't his big idea. If he was the kind of apparatchik that he really is, and he would have gone the other way, he'd be Trump's right-hand man. He'd be a lackey to George W. Bush or Bill Clinton or Obama doing exactly what they said, too. 
the guy's a piece of garbage. He's just an apparatchik, whatever. I, I, I'm not against impeaching him, but it does not hit the root of the problem. That's all I'm saying. He's a piece of garbage. So I want to address the uh, I want to address the supremacy clause thing uh, that that you brought up, Luke. So everybody's tracking the supremacy clause, right? And you know, for the, for all the listeners out there, um, again, you know, not want to insult anybody's intelligence, but basically, the supremacy clause is saying that when the federal government and the states don't agree, that the federal law is the law of the land, and it basically trumps the states. I love it. So that's not necessarily so. All right. I mean, they argued that in Marbury versus Madison in 1803. If the law is unconstitutional, the supremacy law doesn't come into play. And when you are saying, you know, what the federal government is saying now that the state doesn't have a right to defend itself, which it absolutely does. Then you can't use a supremacy clause to come out and, you know, federalize the, you know, the Texas National Guard, um, you know, and, and so on that piece, the supremacy clause really doesn't hold water, uh, you know, for 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 folks who saying like, you know, well, the supremacy clause, you know, well, the Biden can activate, you know, activate the National Guard because, uh, you know, the federal laws, you know, Trump state law and what have you. Oh. And when we start talking, you know, federalizing the, the National Guard. So for those who may not know, right, so there's Title 10 and Title 32 U.S. Code. So Title 10 U.S. Code basically says that the United States government can man, train, and equip an army. All right, that's that's what provides for, you know, the authorization to have a military, to man, train, and equip it, to fund it, you know, whole nine yards. So Title 32 is for the state, all right, Title 32 U.S. Code, that's the state, you know, to have their National Guard. and you know, a lot of times, so we, you know, when the National Guard units get deployed overseas to, you know, go fight, go, go fight wars, kill people and break their toys, they're activated under Title 10 orders, you know, they're federalized and, you know, then they get, you know, full federal benefits and pay, you know, so, you know, that, that E6 on active duty, you know, the National Guard E6, they're making the same amount of money, you know, when, when, when they're deployed. Um, when a governor, activates the national guard under title 32 let's say you know and it happened in florida a lot you know growing up um you know because of hurricanes right so there's some type of natural disaster or you know there's there's riots i believe they activated the california national guard during the uh during the rodney king riots all right when a governor does that then they they carry law enforcement authority all right so we saw, you know, we saw some of that in Louisiana during Hurricane Katrina. You know, you see that during, you know, like I said, saw that during hurricanes in Florida. Like you'd have the National Guard out there, you know, enforcing the law. A lot of it was, you know, just kind of like roadblocks and and stuff like that. And then rescue operations, you know, to to get that one guy who, you know, was like, I don't care if it's a Category 5. I was born here and I'm going to die here. And, you know, I'm staying right here on the beach. Um, you know, but like Ron White said, it's not that the wind is blowing. It's what the wind is blowing in, uh, in hurricanes. So anyway, no, we get off on a tangent on that. So they can add, you know, they can, uh, double as law enforcement under title 32. Um, now the president can come in and federalize a state's national guard under title 10. And then the, you know, the president is the commander in chief of that, you know, that, that formation, that echelon, um, 
Biden, like you say, Biden really can't do that here because Biden's, you know, he's painted himself into a corner by and large, because if he does nothing, he appears weak. If he comes in and federalizes the Texas National Guard under Title 10, then, you know, he, he looks like an absolute tyrant, which he is. And there's going to be there will be a significant constitutional crisis, uh, you know, at, at that time. Now, I talked a little bit about the, you know, the law enforcement piece. Active duty military cannot be used as law enforcement in the United States because of the Posse Comitatus Act. Uh, what was that? 18, like 78 or something. Um, I forget what I forget who was president then. Uh, I don't know. Might have been like Rutherford B. Hayes or some crap. Uh, anyway, so Posse Comitatus basically said, you know, hey, the military can't be used for domestic law enforcement. And that goes, it just kind of went back to the whole, you know, you don't want the the commander of the military, the president, uh, you know, having his own police force at his at his disposal. Um, so that's basically what Posse Comitatus. I ran into that a lot when uh, when I was in Strike Brigade in Alaska. We went down and we spent two months in the Boot Hill in New Mexico. Uh, we, you know, my Cavs squadron set up a screen line on the Mexican border, and we would sit there. We would use all our um, reconnaissance and surveillance and target acquisition, uh, you know, capabilities to, you know, spot people coming across the border. And then we were assigned border patrol agents and the border patrol guys would sit there, you know, we hang out and and be with each other and everything. And they'd be like, Hey man, you know, I've got a group of, you know, approximately 13, you know, 15 clicks on this azimuth. And this is the grid and the border patrol guy, he'd jump in his truck and, you know, drive out there and round them all up. Uh, which is absolutely insane to see, you know, one border patrol guy was like, how many are there? It's like, man, there's like 30 or something. They'd be like, all right, I'll be right back. And he would just jump in his truck and drive out there, you know, and try to round up 30 people by himself. It was crazy. Um, you know, watching those, watching those dudes do that. And uh, so hats off to him. Cause that job sucks. I, that is a, that, that is an incredibly tough job. Um, so what Abbott can do though, and Luke, you know, you probably know more about this thing than uh, than I do. And we had, uh, you know, we had Admiral Dave on, who was an honorary admiral in the Texas military. All right, and the Texas military belongs solely to the governor. They they cannot be federalized uh, at all, and they have a lot of capability, from what I read and, and, and looked at. So even if you know, so you know, a couple of ways I think could play out is. They federalize, you know, Biden comes in and federalizes the Texas National Guard. And so other states say, not a problem. We'll just fill in, you know, that spot with our National Guard troops. And Biden can't turn around and start federalizing all the state's National Guards. Um, Or Abbott just replaced them with the Texas military, who can't be federalized. Um, And, you know, we're we're back to that constitutional, uh, that constitutional crisis, um, which I'm perfectly okay with. I just don't know where Biden would have the standing to federalize the Texas National Guard in this case, right? Because you, you, you covered it at, at length. I Because it's something that <laughs> it's not something the state is. So Jan Brewer, uh, that ring a bell, I think she was governor before Roger got to Apache Junction. She yep. she actually she she actually made some state laws 
that basically, and I think it was a genius move back in the day. Remember when, when Obama got off the plane and there's that picture of her putting her, her bony finger in his face? That's, I think it's one of the best pictures I ever saw. But basically what she did is she made a state law that codified federal law. It's like, because Obama, you know, immigration was was you know kind of out of control under under him as well. And basically she was like, okay, I'm making it a state law that if you you are breaking Arizona law, if you cross the federal border or the the national whatever you call it, if you cross the border illegally, that is now a, a state law in Arizona. You have broken the law and we can lock you up for that. Uh and then there was another one as well. Oh, if you try to work illegally with, you know, uh under federal law, if you try to, you know, if you work without a, a valid social security number. Uh, you're, you're breaking the federal law. She made that illegal in Arizona as well. Now, most times, this is where the supremacy clause kind of comes into. The supremacy clause doesn't have anything to do with this argument, like Josh was saying, because there's there, Texas is not is not making a new law. Nothing. They're just like, hey, the federal government is not enforcing current laws. That's affecting us. It's affecting our economy. It's affecting our resources. It's affecting our infrastructure. So we have to do something about it in self defense, because what is part of warfare economics that can actually it's absolutely part of warfare so you know self-defense you know if, if you come in and you know uh if you come in and try to steal all the money out of my bank account and i know you're gonna do it you're across the street i mean i i go beat the shit out of you stop you from doing it i mean i think i was acting in self-defense <laughs> it's kind of an aside but anyway so Back to Joe Biden, uh, the federal government not having a standing, specifically the executive. I, I just don't see it because under what auspices would he activate the National Guard? I or uh, Roger's got a point. So this is interesting here because I've been gurgling as you guys were talking. We could do a whole segment on the National Guard. I think we've touched you know on it bits and pieces throughout the, the last several years. So this is interesting, and this stems from COVID. So do you remember the COVID-19 mandates with the, uh, you know, the whole National Guard and, you know, making them getting vaxxed and all that other good stuff? You guys remember that stuff, right? Well, you know, that went to a court and the lower court, district court said that, yep, got to vax them. Um, Governor Abbott, Abbott kept suing, uh, got it up to the Fifth Circuit Court and the Fifth Circuit Court. Now, this is in response to the National Guard because my question was, well, what if they just say no? They try to activate them under Title 10, and the governor says no. Like, because the National Guard is a little tricky, right? It's not not militia. Uh, it can be federalized, but it's state funds, federal funds, yada, yada, yada. So anyway, yeah. this case goes up in, in re regarding the vaccine mandates, and the fifth court basically said, um, no, uh, the states can override all of this. So this is from the fifth court, and this is what the, the ruling – I'll just you know summarize it. What the ruling essentially says – is that state compliance with federal guidelines is completely voluntary. And the only recourse that federal government has, because Texas did not dispute this, is to withdraw funding for the state's National Guard. That's in response to federalizing the National Guardsmen and saying, hey, you know, you're, under Title 10, you're now part of the federal government and you're acting on behalf of the federal government. The state can actually be like, no, that, that's, that's not happening. And uh, and this is just recent, so this is kind of interesting because this is this happened January second, January second after that fifth court, uh, fifth circuit court win, uh, Governor Abbott just dropped the you know the rest of the case, dropped the rest of the suit because he'd already won in the uh, in the fifth circuit court. So I think a lot of that set up what he's doing now because it may actually be 
and I'll kick it back to you, Luke, for the rest of your thoughts on that and any any other opinions on it. But it's uh, because of that, I mean, Abbott may be doing what he's doing, saying, hey, you, you actually, you can try to activate my folks. You can try to federalize my folks. And I'm just going to tell you no, and there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, I mean, I don't have too many other thoughts. Just kick it to Josh, uh, because I think that the way I feel about this this particular situation is regardless if you have a Republican or a Democrat administration, uh, right or left, we're going to start seeing more and more and more stuff like this um, from, from both sides. It's just like we will not comply, you know, whether that's California, Oregon uh, or Texas and, you know, Florida, uh, you'll see more of this uh, because we're starting to fray because faith in institutions is going away. Let me tell you something. Let me talk about faith in institutions real quick. It's oh, it was always an illusion. It's always an illusion. Everyone always, you know, you got to understand that the police in your city can easily be overrun. You know, a country can easily be overrun. Um, it, it, it's just sheer numbers. So, like faith in police, you know, all that stuff. It, that's what it is. It's faith. It's in the institutions themselves. All of that is starting to wilt. It's starting to fade away. And chaos is starting to bloom all around. And what I do like about this Texas thing, and I'm pontificating a little bit here, and I apologize, is that the states, I think everyone's starting to see, huh, the states actually do have a lot of power. It's very interesting. And then when a state starts trying to buckle down on a city, I think the cities, the local governments, can be like, huh, turns out I do have a lot of power. I do like that. You know, uh, th this happens to be a scenario that I'm on the side of. But um, I just I think we're going to start seeing more and more stuff like this. And I'd love to, you know, sit down and theorize on, you know, how a road to civil war would happen and all that stuff. Maybe we can't get to it in this one. I don't think that this is some kind of spark to a civil war that's going to happen next year. But this is how it starts. And when I say this is how it starts, I'm talking decades in the making. This is how it starts because, Josh, you were right. It was 1832, 1833, two decades later. It's the hottest war this country's ever seen. So anyway, Josh, what I mean, there's some pontifications. You don't have to expound on any of that, but I know you have a lot more to say about this stuff. So I'm going to go ahead and ask my question now before I forget it. Um, and that'll give you guys, you know, a couple minutes to uh, to ruminate on on your answers. My question is going to be at the end of my uh, incoherent rambling here. How does this end? All right. How does this end? I'll give you my opinion. All right. This is a dude. This how does, is how does this, what end? How does this issue, you know, between Texas, Texas? And, and the federal okay. government, you know, how does this, how, how, how does this end? How does that Constantina wire, uh, in, uh, Shelby park, that's the name of it, uh, in Eagle pass come down. Like how does, you know, how does that end? Uh, because I think they finally, I, I, I think this administration finally, you know, blundered into something they can't, they can't school shooting their way out of. All right. This is not, you know, th th this is not something like, I mean, there's going to have to be, you know, I dude, I, me personally, I, I think, I don't think it's going to end like Waco style. All right. I don't think it's going to, I, I don't think it's going to be that. I don't think there's federal troops are going to come in and, you know, start smoking, you know, Texas national guard cats. Um, although I will say there are people in the military right now who are on social media actively supporting that and actively saying we should go down there 
and forcibly by use military force to remove Texas National Guard troops from the border. All right. So that goes back to people who don't think that the federal government would use active duty troops against you. And everybody's like, no, the military would never follow that order. That's illegal. I'm telling you, I'm here to tell you right now that is bullshit. There are people in the military right now. And I'm talking about people. I'm talking about field grade and flag officers who would happily salute the flagpole and do exactly what they're told. They would be the Mayorkas. They would be, you know, some of those folks down there now and be like, I was just following orders. All right. So don't think that it won't happen. You know, history is littered with wars. People said would never happen. So don't think that for a second. Um, you know, but it, it, again, like they, they're not going to be able to school shooting their way out of this. I think it, uh, and I don't know that, you know, if, if, and I have zero faith in the GOP, and I've given Greg Abbott, and I, you know, I, I X, X this, is that what we're saying now? Tweeted it, whatever, X it. You know, I've given Greg Abbott a lot of grief over the last couple of years about being, you know, just very mealy mouthed and, you know, bending the knee to, you know, to the establishment. But I'll give him this, you know, I'll give him the credit for what he's doing now because that's ballsy and it's good and it needs to be done. And I wish more, you know, conservative governors would do it. Um, you know, but the GOP has a, they have a chance right now to win the 2024 election. If they cave. And I think, I, I think something's going to happen tomorrow. I think whatever's going to occur, I think it's going to occur tomorrow because you know, the administration can't afford to let this go through the weekend because then I think they're going to look pretty weak. I think, you know, tomorrow they've got to, they've got to, they're going to put their foot down. Um, but if the GOP caves on this and they take down the wire and they, you know, the feds take back over the, you know, that part of the border and it's just business as usual. I think it is going to be a massive loss, uh, come November uh, election time. And every single person in the GOP who's, you know, in elected office right now deserves to lose their seat. If, if they cave on this, they absolutely deserve everything they get. Um, so the other thing I'll say on this is, you know, any of our listeners, if you are feeling inclined to go to Texas, to go down to the border area right now, specifically where this is happening, I would highly encourage you not to. Um, because the federal government, do not trust the federal government. Uh, you know, Luke talked about, you know, trust in institutions. There is not an institution inside the federal government that I trust at all, period. Not one. The Department of Agriculture, the Department of Ed none. None of it. All right. And I would not put it past the federal government to start, you know, pulling phone data, to start pulling, you know, all that data and the January 6 you in a heartbeat when this is said and done. The next thing you know, you know, you've got the FBI rolling up to your door, you know, kicking it in because you decided to go to Eagle Pass, Texas, you know, while while this is going on. Don't do it. Highly recommend against it. So all an right? interesting thing, Josh, is uh, uh there's a satire site on, and this is exactly to your point. There's a satire site on uh, on X called U.S. Ministry of Truth, and whoever runs this site is hilarious, <laughs> funny dude. But we should tag him in this uh, in this episode because got a little traction from him or her. And he posted a satire. It said breaking volunteer. It's a satire. Breaking volunteer militias from at least 27 states have begun traveling to Texas in support of National Guard amid this constitutional crisis. Right. So totally believable. But Jim Hansen, who's a who's a fairly, you know, prominent person, Jim Hansen, count, uh, yeah. he 
he retweeted that. And he said, this is not the answer unless you want to lose your home to legal bills and join the J6ers in prison. We can't trust the deep state <laughs> bastards. Exactly what Josh is saying. We have to win at the ballot and shut them down. So I I, I replied and uh, tagged Ministry of Truth. And I said, you reeled in another one. You have been true. Well done. So Jim Hansen actually replied to that, actually replied to mine. It said, I need to pay a tad more attention. Advice is still good. And I've seen too many people talking about this already. He's exactly right. That's why that satire is so good. Well, that's why satire doesn't work. Because the right. U.S. Ministry of Truth was trying to you know, make it a funny. It's like, no, Josh is exactly right. I mean, some people, not any of our listeners, nobody's stupid enough to do that. But people will start getting on this crazy whatever. And Josh is 100% right. So I, you know, when Jim Hansen said that, I said, dollars to donuts, there are likely hundreds of non-satire accounts posting the same thing. Totally understandable. So, I mean, you're right, Josh. I mean, I, I, I'm going to echo what he said uh, 100%. And I'll kick it to Roger to answer your question on how does this end. And then uh, I'll give by what I think. No, it's actually funny because on the satire piece, so News That Matters, uh, another site's pretty funny. Um, they posted something a couple days ago. Uh, e. Jean Carroll, the judge, alleges that Trump shouted, this is MAGA country while raping her. That post actually got community noted. <laughs> it actually got community noted. You were Holy saying it cow. before. You said it like a year ago, Luke, that like, hey, you, you got tired of writing satire because like you, you can't distinguish the difference anymore, right? People, it's people not believe funny anymore. Whatever. It's not funny anymore. And it's like, it's funny that you brought that up because I read it like two, three hours ago. I got a little notification on it. I'm like, are you, are you serious? Like, I didn't realize this needed to be community noted, but I'll tell you how this ends. It ends exactly how it is now, because what's going to happen is the federal government is going to claim a victim. Well, SCOTUS ruled, man. SCOTUS ruled. And that's it, right? The Constantine wire will stay up as it should. And as far as the federal government, they're going to continue trying to do what they do. And they're just their 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 claim to victory is going to be it'll be a it'll be a silent claim to victory because they won't do anything. They'll just well, you know what? SCOTUS ruled in our favor, and that's it. Because you know, they know that they're in the wrong. I, I think they understand that, hey, look, there is a reason, you know, and now that dude, I, I tell you now the wheels are spinning. As I was reading the other article about, you know, activating the National Guard, federalizing them, and and then what Abbott's doing now. Like Abbott's seen this stuff coming for months. And, and he's been prepping the battlefield and the COVID vaccines. I mean, granted, he probably didn't see. Well, no, I don't know. I mean, even back then, I mean, they've had a huge immigration problem down there for a while. So it's not like, you know, they just popped up right there in Eagle Pass. But, you know, he, he's been playing chess. And I think he knows, especially with that Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals ruling, that, yeah, he is probably going to be in the right. And the administration has got to know that as well. They've got to know that. So I think the way it ends is I think it just kind of goes away, man. Uh, I think Texas will continue doing what they're doing. Uh, they're seeing a lot of support from the other states. And I think as far as the administration, they will claim a silent victory in that SCOTUS said we can cut the, the concertina wire down. You know, what I'm interested in is I want to see the rest of the actual, and, and I guess they're saying with these opinions like this, that they don't generally write, um, you know, uh, dissenting opinions, supporting opinions that they don't really give a whole lot of info and context to it. They're just kind of like, yeah, we either vacate or we stay or, or, or whatever. And I'm kind of curious on the rest of that. I, I think the other the other side did this, and this is another reason why the administration doesn't want to continue to pursue it, especially in the courts, is that they might lose. And they're good. There's a good shot that they will lose 
And uh, I think like both of you have said, you know, your states are starting to realize that, wow, we actually have a whole lot more power than what we think we do. You know, we can get away with a lot. Not I shouldn't say get away, but we can govern the way we want to. Um, and then that go, that should trickle down. You know, it's kind of funny because I don't know how what you guys see out there in, in North Carolina and Texas uh, specifically. But like here, it's very little about the town and the city. It's more the county. Like we have, like Arizona, you know, is the state, but dude, it is total county. Like whatever Maricopa County says, that is that is what goes, uh, you know, as far as where I live. And I, I don't know if it's like that everywhere in North Carolina or, or whatever. And maybe Texas is very similar to, to how Arizona set up. But, you know, what I think as far as this stuff trickling down, what I would like to see is, hey, for you uh, smaller communities out there, you need to start taking care of your resources because that's really what, that, that's the carrot. Right. The federal government says if you it's like seatbelt laws. Well, if you don't do this, we're not going to give you money. We're not going to give you X amount of federal funds for your highways, your interstates, yada, yada, yada. And it that stuff trickles down. And so I think when you look at the state taking care of its finances, and we have a balanced budget amendment. So, you know, we're forced to balance it like the US government should have, which brings me well, I wouldn't even go down the, the whole modern monetary policy thing. That's a it's a whole nother episode. But when you look at the counties themselves and the towns themselves, like, hey, you need to be able to start supporting yourselves. Now, I get it, you always need outside money because especially we start talking about schools and roads and things like that. But you need to be able to start fiscally supporting yourselves. Because that will give you a lot more freedom in what you can and can't do and give you the ability to push back if I don't need your money, right? If I don't need your funds. So it's uh, it, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And I think what I've seen so far you know, with the state supporting, obviously, it's you have the red states that are supporting. And it's crazy because like Arizona, where we have you know a lame duck governor, you know they haven't shown support for uh, you know Texas and Governor Abbott. But it's like, hey, man, we're a border state. And uh, I don't know if folks, you know, it doesn't catch a lot of news, but get on the uh, get on the gurgle machine there and, and pull up uh, Lukeville, Arizona. I mean, it's oh, bad, yeah. dude. It is very bad. That's a good segue. So where does this end? Um, I'll get there. But people are morons, man. And, and not just not just regular people. People uh, messaging and running PR and all that stuff for the most part are morons. And where I'm going with that is, Man, Abbott's got a real opportunity here, as do a lot of governors in in the border states, like 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 Josh, like uh, Roger was saying. Man, jump on this, dude! Jump on this! Educate the public. I mean, just jump on it because look, one one of the things I didn't mention earlier is you know the cartels again. People cartels, 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 but it truly is <laughs> hundreds of billions dollars a year industry within Mexico alone. Everybody pays the cartels for everything they do. It's it's massive extortion. If you're going to run a business outside of Mexico City or outside some you know major cities in Mexico, you're going to be paying the cartel to run your business, and that includes smuggling. So one one of the things the cartel, as as you may or may not know, one of the things the cartel does is they smuggle drugs into the United States, and the drug of choice now is fentanyl because it's cheap to make. It's a uh, uh, strength to weight ratio is is very very high, high strength to low weight. So we want to smuggle a lot of fentanyl in. So the cartels, uh, you, you might notice, like uh, Roger said, Lukeville, right? All of a sudden, all these uh, people claiming asylum showed up in Lukeville, where there's not an infrastructure to handle all these asylum seekers. So it's like, well, the average Joe six pack who puts a little thought into things and maybe follows the news a little bit, it's like, why are they showing up in Lukeville this week? 
Last week, they were all showing up down in Del Rio. That's hundreds of miles away. The cartel knows what they're doing. They're going to give the marching orders to people. Okay, we're sending them all to Lukeville this week because or this month. Because this month, we're going to start uh, smuggling our, you know, fentanyl with the, you know, the guys that have it on their backs that, you know, the, the, the first group I talked about in the first few minutes of this podcast. We're going to smart, start smuggling them through the Laredo sector, right? Or another another part of the border in, in Arizona. Because all those CBP or those BP resources and CBP resources are going to go to Lukeville. And, and BP and CBP is not a big organization. So when you take all the resources, because the, the current policy of the Biden administration is we're going to we're going to uh, spend most of our energy processing these people and not actually enforcing the border. Right. So the cartel knows all the resources are going to be in this area. Now it's Christmas time down in that area. Understand. So now if, if smarter people could write a two minute blurb on that, give it to give it to Abbott. He could say, look, we're helping solve the fentanyl crisis. We're helping solve this. Biden's not doing that. We are. Arizona is. New Mexico is. Even though New Mexico is so remote at the border, nobody goes through New Mexico, dude. It's so bad down there. They cross and like, oh, we'll go back. We're fine. (laughs) Dude, it's it's not good in New Mexico. I mean, Arizona is bad, but New Mexico is far worse uh, if you're trying to cross illegally. Um, So, yeah, I mean, they're they're missing a real opportunity here. If I'm hoping... Like, where does this end? I'm hoping it ends with a Fed. Well, not hoping. I'm, well, yeah, I am hoping. I'm hoping it ends with the federal government breaking down, just letting Texas kind of, you know, we're going to take the, we're going to take the win with a little narrative comment. Hey, you know, look, we got this Supreme Court, you know, decision saying we're allowed to cut the wire. The big win for us. Meanwhile, Texas is setting up all these other, you know, they build their own wall you know, all this stuff. And they advertise that to make the administration just look stupid. I'm with Josh. I don't think this ends with a, a, a Waco style or even Waco light. Um, I think that there's going to be talking points and narratives. I think Texas is going to keep doing what it's doing. Um, I don't know. I think this is going to be kind of end up being a popcorn fart a little bit, but if the Republicans, including governors were smart, uh, they they wouldn't make it a popcorn fart. They would just keep chasing it. It's like, oh, the Supreme Court said they can cut our wire. Okay, we're going to see how many resources you're going to allocate down here to cut the hundreds of miles of wire that we're laying up. So I I don't know, Josh. I mean, it's just it's very frustrating. It's very frustrating to see. Yeah, stupid people. One point, real quick, and then. Uh, I'll give it to Roger. So just saw, uh, so apparently the administration has come out now and told Abbott in Texas that they have until tomorrow to take down the, all the wire and turn control, uh, of that park back over to, uh, to CBP. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, that's Um, interesting. Yeah. And so, but you know what? Yeah. I didn't see it specifically mentioned. It specifically mentioned the park as well. Not just cutting the wire. Yeah. I mean, personally, if I was Abbott, I'd be like, or what? Come take it. Or what? Yeah. Dude, come take it. Hey, man, we don't have the, um, you know, know, man, I can't believe now I'm going to, and now I'm going to space on the, uh, on the cannon uh, battle in Texas. 
Gonzalez. Yeah, the Gonzalez flag, right? So, you know, hey, man, just start replacing the Gonzalez flag with triple strand C wire, um, you know, on there instead <laughs> of a cannon. Be like, come and take it. Uh, yeah. So Dude, that's it, a great it, um, t shirt. That's, I was going to say, it's oh, another shirt, man. I just got my no nuke snack t shirt, and I'm about to get that one. We need to go God, into the t-shirt business. Josh, that was that was amazing. Dude, I guarantee you. We, no, no, no. We, oh, I do it. We are, again, Josh, I don't mean to insult you, but I consider myself median intelligence, right? I've said this over and over. Half people are smarter, half people are dumber. That said, that shirt will be out. I'll see that on my feed within a week. Within we a week, we'll see a concert team. Dude. I know we could, but... But our, you know how loyal our listeners are. Uh, I think I got a grand total of, I think, 350 people or so listen, possibly. Maybe it's that much. I think I got a well, grand total of two two donations to, uh, we talk to about, cure childhood cancer. Yeah. So I doubt you, they're going to buy a T-shirt. So you got you got two donations and uh, two of the, they were from Roger and I. The um, <laughs> Roger, so it, Roger, <laughs> Roger. He, he, there were a couple of there were two three other listeners that did. So I appreciate. Yeah, yeah we had two other listeners. We had, we had two listeners. Well, one doesn't listen. She's was a three. family member. Well, I'm saying I I had one guy reach out that was a listener uh, that I knew, um, and then yeah, I had a family member also. Doing so we so, so we talk about you know Luke Luke's brought up multiple times right friends and family first ones to let you down so. Uh, the last week I was talking to, you know, an old friend and, uh, I was like, yeah, man, you know, they were like, I was, you know, so we were catching up. I hadn't talked to each other in, I mean, 20 years. Um, you know, and it's like, Hey, it was just like, oh yeah, you know, military, blah, blah, blah. We got to, you know, start swapping some, some war stories. And I was like, oh yeah. I said, well, that one was in the book. And they just kind of like gave me that really long stare. And I was like, well, I mean, you responded to the post, you know, when we were posting about the book, you know, the guy I wrote it with. And they were just like long stare. And I was like, <laughs> whatever. And so they finally told, they were like, they ordered it right there. All right. So we've sold two copies of the book in the last week. Another person who, who listens, Jeremy today, he goes, Hey man, I just ordered that book. I can't wait to read it. I was like, what? I like, you dude, that thing came out a couple of years ago. And he was like, yeah, I just I just ordered it. Yeah, it, yep. And I was just like, friends and family, man. Friends and family. He's like, what? I was like, no, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like friends and family, dude. It's like whatever. Dude, um, that is a really good idea with a shirt, though, man. That's a really good idea, dude. We we can we can make that happen. We know we know somebody who makes t-shirts. They gotta hook us up with a deal, though, man. Like I want to make t-shirts on my own and I had like, I ordered this kit and everything. And I'm just like, man, this is going to be time consuming and not as easy as what I thought. So I ended up sending it back. Oh, oh yeah. That's you, a good you call. Sent your, we'll have to reach out you to sent your, Yeah. You sent your no nook snake shirt back. No, 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 no. I kept that shirt. I didn't make that one. I had somebody else make it, make it for me. So I, uh, I found that's uh, cheap. What I, what I need to do is find a screen printing place here local or the, the conduct you just posted. It's like, Hey, if we send you this, because does she do like I don't want to do just a heat press. You need the the actual dye. You know what I mean? Because the heat press stuff just peels off. If she does the actual dye, I wonder if like if we get her the graphic, if she can do all that stuff. We need to make that graphic. And that needs to be, you know what? That graphic needs to be the cover art for this episode. Oh, well, you know Luke's not getting that done before tomorrow. 
I'm still <laughs> waiting on last week. Tomorrow. <laughs> this won't be out Friday. This, no, this yeah, this thing needs to drop tomorrow. Uh wait, hold on. Today, yeah, today Thursday. Yeah, this thing needs to drop tomorrow. They can't drop by Saturday, dude. This thing's gonna be out of the news cycle. All right, well, you better start editing then. Did you just drop it raw? Yeah, it, it don't work that way, dude. Raw dog it. <laughs> raw dog. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing can ever go wrong when you raw dog it, bro. Okay, we'll, uh, hey, we'll, we'll do it live. We'll do it live. <laughs> I'm telling you, do this. You know what? There is, you know what's funny? Fine. What's funny is there is a live option on here. So, like, you know, we, we for our listeners out there, they know we've struggled. We've gone through like 15 different platforms. And then we can uh, do this the live. last the last collaborative one that we did with uh Cajun conservative, we're like, Oh man, this, this platform is really cool. What are you using? And he's like, Oh, you know, we ended up going back to one that we originally started out with that sucks shit. And then now works pretty well. But every time I look at it, I go click and it's, you know, it gives you the live option and recording. And I'm just like, yeah, one day, dude, one day we'll just do it live. Now I don't know how exactly how that airs. Oh, another thing too, another big update. So I had to re-sign the agreement today with Apple podcast. They are now going to put closed captions uh, on all the podcasts. So that's pretty cool. Wait, so we can do this live? Yeah, you can do it live, man. We can Bill O'Reilly this bad boy. Dude, we should so totally it, do this live. Is it live or live streaming? Is that like people can like come and look at it live? I'm sure it's live streaming. I mean, they probably do it. Uh, I'd have to look at the links, but it probably does like a live stream to YouTube. And then, you know, obviously saves it from recording. And then we'd have to take that and then, you know, podcast it or whatever. Well, at this point, I think probably... It, the the three the three listeners we have have like okay that's enough and they're they've stopped. <laughs> what were you talking about? Hey, as long as we're as long as we're talking uh, talking exciting stuff, what were we talking about? COVID. What did you post today? Because let's get this one off off YouTube. Let's just right okay. now. Let's let's oh, everybody, yeah, everybody, everybody to have second. this one not posted on Dude, YouTube. This is nuts. <laughs> and here, so you know, and here's what's crazy is the amount of. Uh, the amount of like reposts and like it it went to the moon like immediately. It's um <clears throat> so anyway, if anybody's not familiar with like yeah, nice sign with uh curious, it's uh C U R E U S dot com or whatever. But anyway, they publish a lot of peer reviewed, or it's a platform where you can publish a lot of peer-reviewed studies. Uh so this is legit stuff. These are studies that come out from all over the world. Uh, they are peer reviewed. You can read through it. It's all transparent, yada, yada, yada. So I'm just going to uh, read the excerpt here. I had to, had to cut some of it down to make it fit with Twitter. But um, actually, hang on a second. Let me see if I still have this thing saved because I might. Uh, eh, anyway, I had to cut it down some. But here's the, the summary out of the abstract. Reanalysis of the Pfizer data. Okay, talking about the COVID vaccine identified significant increases in serious adverse effects in the vaccine group. Numerous SAEs, right, significant uh, uh, adverse events were identified, including death, cancer, cardiac events, and various autoimmune, hemo, you know what I'm talking about, reproductive and neurological <laughs> disorders. I got a cold, guys, man, so I'm like struggling with, with some of the reading here, but it's... Uh, uh, so basically, they're like, hey, man, we're getting like a lot of data and a lot of reporting like people are having some severe side effects, this stuff. And it's not just talking about the COVID vaccine, but it's talking about mRNA in general because it's so new. And it's, uh, 
you know, it's like Josh always says, you know, everything that's been recalled, it was approved by the FDA. It's like, hey, man, this stuff got rolled out so fast. You have no idea what the long-term effects of it are. You know, they're looking at six months a year. Hey, man, I want to see the five-year. You know, I want to see the 10-year. I want to see the 20-year. And what they're starting to see now as, and, and dude, you, you see folks on X every day, mainly members of Congress. Hey, got my 19th booster. You know, got my 19th booster. Oh, I just got COVID. Good thing I had my 20th booster. But they're finding that, hey, man, like, and I'm not saying that people shouldn't take it again. I think it's between you and your doctor uh, to determine if it's best for you to take that. But I'm just saying the long-term side effects of mRNA are not quite understood yet. But the more and more time that passes, the more research happens, the more results they're getting. And they're finding out that, hey, you know what? There might be something here. And uh, I'll have to post the link up. It's on the Curious website, but it's out there, dude. And people, I mean, dude, it is blowing up. But you know what? I mean, of course, you won't hear the government say anything about it because obviously it's like, hey, we just made all, I mean, we just talked about a, a, a court case, right? A federal court case where they were taking, you know, a state to court to make you take the COVID vaccine. <laughs> so, I mean, there's no way, anything like this is going to be suppressed. That's the reality of it. So you guys know, I mean, we're, we're pretty we're pretty open here on the cup. And uh, speaking of open, uh, and being open about our personal stuff and like HIPAA and all that stuff. Uh, you know, Josh still has yet to give a review to our audience about how the, uh, how the, uh, balls bomb worked for him. I think, you know, maybe we can get to that later, but I'll tell you what I, you know, HIPAA be damned. You know, I've, I've told y'all some of the medication I'm on. I don't, I don't give, I don't, I don't really care. You know, I got nothing to hide. Um, so, so I was telling the guys, I was texting them. I was like, hey, guys, I got to tell you this. I got to get this off my chest, so to speak. Uh, since last Sunday, I've had this pain <laughs> right here in my chest. And it goes around to the back part of my back, like right under my shoulder blade. And it's just like I couldn't even sleep on a Monday night. I couldn't even sleep. It was so bad. I was waking up every 10 minutes. Uh, it was, it was bad. Uh, there was, you know, Advil wasn't doing it. Uh, what are we doing? I'm, I'm, I'm reading this stuff. Uh, Advil wasn't working for me, whatever. So I'm like, I think I know what I did. I think the intercostal muscles have been working out a lot. I think I strained my intercostal muscles, you know, the ones around the ribs. I think it's causing this pain. If it was on the right side of my chest, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have an issue with it, but it's on the left side. And it's like, well, that's where my heart is. And when I type this into WebMD, it's saying one of two things. Either you strained your intercostal muscles or you're having a heart attack and you should go to the emergency <laughs> room immediately. And I'm like, fuck. So I'm like, okay, all right. You know, I don't want to leave my family in the dirt. You know, uh, I don't want to die. Uh, not, not, you know, I, I pretty much had enough of this world, but I don't want to die just yet. Uh, so maybe I should go get checked out. But what's going through my mind this whole time, to, to, to your point, Roger, or to your what you were talking about, is y'all y'all know uh, I got the vax because I misguided misguided thinking uh, told me well I'll be able to travel if I got to if I get the vax I know I don't need it because I already had COVID and their natural immunity is a thing but I'm gonna get the vax because screw it I want to start working again well that was a mistake <laughs> but I it's going through my mind it's like man I don't know how this stuff affects me is this this myocarditis everyone's talking about you know it's just you know, it, it makes you paranoid, you know, in the study that Roger sent out, I'm like, he sends it out like today. And I'm like, geez, right when I'm a chest pain and pain in my <laughs> back down his shoulder plate. It's like, and Josh is sitting there like, hey, hey. <laughs> but yeah, 
you know, all that stuff, it's, uh, you know, I've been seeing a lot of people uh, on X, Josh, I've been seeing a lot of them saying stuff like, well, everyone knows that RNA can't alter DNA. And I'm like, yeah, I could have sworn that I learned back in high school that RNA can send messages to the DNA to, uh, you know, alter the strand or whatever and make the ACDT or whatever it is, like change your DNA. I could have sworn that's the way it worked, but maybe I'm wrong. And maybe I'm wrong about the natural immunity I learned about in the 10th grade. It's just, dude, this, this COVID stuff, bro. I, um, and the, the back stuff, I don't know. I, I, it's not that like Roger was saying in the last episode that you listened to while we worked out, all those other stupid vaccines we got, you know, the anthrax and all that stuff, that that's probably far more damaging than this mRNA, I hope. But uh, it was a mistake to take that. Uh, I don't know. What do you think? Dude, they're actually, so I, as I, I, I pulled up the website now, um, and they're saying, at a minimum, the mRNA injections should be removed from the childhood immunization program until proper safety and toxicological studies are conducted. So basically, you know, if you're below 18, and I would say even, I mean, it's like my son, he, he I mean, he might get pissed that I tell everybody his business, but, you know, my son never got it, you know, and, and uh, you know, he's an adult. So it's like, hey, man, you make your decision, but I'm just like, you're a healthy young, young adult. Uh, you don't have any issues. Like, I think you're fine. And if I was in your boat, I probably would not get it done. Uh, and he didn't get it done. I'm glad he didn't. And I think that's something that you, that you really have to weigh, right? You have to weigh your options on. Now, again, if it was my mom or whatever, but, but I mean, even with, uh, and I forget, was it Jordan Peterson uh, that was talking about it on Joe Rogan? But like, if you really start, yeah, we're totally getting this episode pulled. Um, when you really dive into like the vaccine, I mean, again, the, the vaccine with this thing, with everything that I've, I've read and everything that I've studied and heard, it's much like our uniforms in the army. You know, it's based off the last, you know, war that we fought. And so when they were talking about, when they were talking about, you know, why people are catching COVID, uh, you know, within 10 to 14 days after taking the vaccine, it's because, okay, hey, you know, we're at, at Delta variant, you know, we're way past that now, but the vaccine was based off alpha. So you're taking the vaccine for alpha. So now your, your immune system has gone haywire, totally jacked up, but Delta, which the vaccine is not effective against, is now you're now more susceptible to that. And that's why from everything I've read, that's why it's like, Hey man, after you get the vaccine, like you've got about 10 to 14 days there where you have to be very, very careful or you're going to catch it. And I, I don't I forget the numbers off the top of my head, but like the statistics of people that are catching COVID or that caught COVID uh, within two weeks after receiving a vaccine is incredibly high for it to be a vaccine. I can't believe we're talking about COVID again. I don't want to talk about COVID anymore. Let's talk about New Hampshire. Let's talk about New Hampshire, Josh. <laughs> New Hampshire, there's a bunch of there's a bunch of white people up there who like granola and wear Birkenstocks. So like, what else do you want to know about New Hampshire? Dude, I will say this. So I kind of chuckled. New Hampshire. I, I knew Roger was going to bring it up. He cannot help himself. He cannot help himself. We're an hour and 34 minutes into it, and Roger cannot help himself. What's going on in New Hampshire, Roger, that you, you want to talk about so bad? What is it? No, I was actually going to change the topic again. You made a comment earlier saying there's not one federal de department that you actually trust. I'm like, let me pull this up. Surely we can find one, okay, that we that we, <laughs> that we have faith in and that we can trust. So <laughs> Department of Health and Human Services, I, I think right now we can just say that's a no, right? We don't trust them. Um, department of Defense, well, that's an automatic no-go. Um, department of Labor, nah. Nope. 
Department of Agriculture, nah. Nope. The VA, no way. Although, I mean, your rating is not done yet, Luke, so maybe you need to start trusting the VA until your rating comes back. You might have some VA listeners out there. So you might like, yeah, man, I love those guys. Uh, Department of Interior, do we trust those guys? No. Well, you know, I, I, would have, I would have said Department of Agriculture maybe until my until my old man worked at Department of Agriculture, and he's like, dude, it's you wouldn't believe it's so infected with this DEI bullshit woke nonsense. So I think Department of Interior is probably the same. So I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna go with no dog. <laughs> yeah, a lot of the a lot of the statues that have been removed is part of the Department uh, there, of is, Interior. Is that DEI? You know, okay, yeah, you're right. You Department got of Interior they renamed mountains out west. Because they were not, you know, because they were named after, you know, bad, you know, controversial people. Good call. Right? So yeah, so, call. so so DOI, they can get they can get wrecked. So, can I before you continue on your list, Roger? Maybe we need a ranking list on how how uh, like your your level of trust, right? Because Department of Energy. I mean, I, I get it, but Department of Energy does a lot, and it's like. I don't know. What do you think about Department of Energy? I mean, I get it. They, they're none of them are to be trusted. But if you were going to rank them on least amount of trust to, I don't no. know. They're all. They're all. I don't trust. It's not. This is. <laughs> they're not all a, equally. It's all equal. Yeah. They're, so the Department yeah, of they're Justice is on terrible. the same level as DOE. Department of Energy. Yes. yes. Wow. See, I I think that the Department of Justice has far more power over you know what they it, can do to my ass. The Department of Energy. Literally. So if we're talking about, I mean, if we're talking, if, if you want to add that metric into the rating, then sure. Okay, now we're going to have to go in and we're going to have to rate them. It just comes down, do I trust them or not? It's a binary thing for me. I either trust you or I don't. It's not like, well, I, I trust that dude with my, you know, with my wallet. I trust that dude to borrow my truck, but I wouldn't trust that dude to, you know, spend the weekend at my house. Right. Or I wouldn't trust, you know. It's not, you know, it's not like that. Like, I don't trust any of these things. Department of Energy, the Department of Energy lied to everybody. Let's, you know, just one event comes to mind, Three Mile Island. Wuhan. No, it's fine, man. Wuhan, Wuhan too. Yeah, and Wuhan, Wuhan dude, the the DOE, the DOE is just corrupt and is cancerous with DEI and that shit as (laughs) as every other, you know, entity. But, dude, Three Mile Island, nah, man, you're fine, you're fine. Don't worry about it. Not only is this episode getting removed, but if we weren't already on lists. <laughs> so keep, well, I haven't keep even going finished on. yet. I haven't yeah, even finished yet. All right, come so we've on, got Department it. of Transportation, which we know that's a big no, oh. right? Uh, <laughs> Department Department of Justice. You've got uh, Department of Education. Um, how about HUD? Department of Housing and Urban Development. Like, no. what have they done? I mean, what's bad with them? What have they done? Except for tell me that every problem within the housing community, redlining and everything, <laughs> is my fault because I'm a white man. Yeah, no. You are racist. They can get wrecked. They can get wrecked too. <laughs> You've got Department of Homeland Security, which we know that answer. No. Uh, Department of Energy, <laughs> the Department of Treasury, and have you seen Janet Yellen on there now? Of course, Janet Yellen. Well, dude, this you know it's it's it goes out to the tweet that you sent out on the C three account earlier. Today. Janet Yellen doing a victory lap. You know, everybody thought we were headed towards a recession, except for me and President Biden. And you know what? We turned to be right. It's like. So they are celebrating, and I know we're we're I'm going off on a tangent here, but they are celebrating. Okay, Dow hit a record high. That 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 is what it is, right? But again, markets adjust to that. Businesses adjust. Businesses make money in general, uh, so they adjust to the economic conditions, regardless of who the president is. But GDP three point three percent. 
So they are doing a victory lap with GDP being at 3.3%. And I think the, the tweet that Josh sent out earlier was, you know, Joe Sixpack will celebrate 3.3% GDP while overall inflation since Joe Biden took over is up by about 15 to 17%. Gas is up over a dollar higher than it was uh, when he took over. Uh, your average credit card interest rates, 24 and a half percent, and your average mortgage rate is 8%. So don't sit here and, and do a victory lap and tell me how great the economy is with those kind of numbers, because the economy, by the way, is not just, uh, you know, the Dow Jones, the economy is not just the GDP. And then if you really want to right. get into it, and Luke, you brought this up, you know, GDP is expenditures. It's what you're spending. How much of that is government spending, right? How much of that is go public government spending of your tax dollars, our tax dollars, dude, it's incredible. Like, I don't give a crap. I mean, I do to an extent with GDP is, and here's the other thing they celebrate with GDP being 3.3%. You know what that means for interest rates, young uh, men and women out there, they're not coming down anytime soon. You know, they were expecting four rate cuts uh, over the next year. And now, you know, analysts, the same analysts that, that didn't see inflation, but they're now like, man, with 3.3% GDP, like we don't see any rate cuts for the next six months. So, you know, for, for our listeners out there, hey, dude, you better stay off the credit cards and I hope you're not buying a house the next six months. I'll go back to the departments now. So you've got Department of State, which is a big. Oh, name. God. Uh, and then the final one would be the Department of Commerce. Hmm. No. So I think Josh is right, man. I don't think there's one on the list that I no, would truly there, trust. There's not, there's not, there's not an entity in the federal government that I trust. There's not one. No. They, we talk about, you know, trust in the institutions. There are not none. And it's not, and it's, you know what? It's their fault. It's their fault. They brought it on themselves. And then people are like, well, I can't believe people don't trust the, you know, the federal government. It's like, well, you did it to yourself. Right. Even with the, you know, with, with Hunter's laptop, you had how many, you know, intelligence, you know, community officials come out and be like, oh, this is, it's this Russian, you know, disinformation. And then finally, you know, after it influenced an election, they come out and they're like, the FBI says, yeah, that laptop was real. All that shit's true. All that shit's real. And you're like, well, I can't believe people don't trust the intelligence community. Iraq, WMDs, the Taliban will never take, you know, take back Afghanistan. Oh, we didn't see this coming. But why should I try? Like, why should I trust you? You've given me no reason to. None whatsoever. And you've given me every reason to distrust you. So. Yep. And Roger's sitting here like, let's wind this one out. Let's wind this one down. Because I want to ask one more. I want to I want to talk about one more. 19 thing. minutes. I just said we can. I didn't say we had to. <laughs> Go ahead. Run it. Burn it. End to end. Go for it. So. So we had an interesting exchange today about uh, school vouchers and stuff like this. And I, I'm not quite sure if there was a bot arguing with us all day or some Democrat operative from the governor's office in North Carolina or whatever. I, I don't know. But what we couldn't get through this person's head was, well, there's a lot of stuff we could. I, I assume it was a her. I don't know. What we couldn't get through this account's head was that nothing is free don't you understand that that public schools are funded by tax dollars and it, it's very simple to me the vouchering system i i know it, it's simple to me i know there's some complications to it because you know uh, you know private schools should probably be accredited you know by, or something you know 
you can't just elect to take your kids out of school and not attend school and get a tax rebate. You know, I get it. That's a problem. But on the other hand, it's like, you know, if you're a parent, at least in Texas, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about what it is in Texas. In Texas, you know, uh, property taxes are really high because the school funding is, it comes directly from the property taxes or not directly, but it, it's factored in, right? If, I don't want to, if I have kids that are going to school and I don't want to participate in that and I want to send my kids to a, 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 a school that's not a state school, I think there should be a system in place that if I, if I choose to send my kids to an accredited non-state school, I should get refunded on my school taxes uh, so that I can help pay for uh, that, that private education, right? It's just as simple as that. Now, I don't want to eat. I personally, I don't think I should. I think, I'm, you know, I don't have kids going to school here at Roosevelt or Slayton or nothing. I don't think I should have to pay school taxes, but I get it. Education is important. Taxation is theft, but I love the kids. So whatever, I'll pay my school taxes. But if I have school aged children, and I'm not sending them to public schools. I shouldn't have to pay those taxes. It's just as simple as that. And what this person was saying, Josh, is I don't know. We couldn't get through to her, man. We couldn't get through this account. It's like, no, what you don't understand is taxation is paying for this. And they just didn't understand it. So it's like, you know, that, that breakdown. That's why I think it was almost a bot account. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, that 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 bothered me and it shouldn't bother me. But I know a lot of people out there think like that. I don't think it was. I don't think it was a bot account. Um, I think it's a show. It's just a paid show um, and, and a bad one at that because it didn't even have a lot of followers. I think it had like 30 something followers. Uh, I think so it, it drives me nuts and I try, I've stopped trying to be generally polite on social media for the most part, uh, you know, by and large, especially when I see these people who, you know, it's like, oh, we pass free school lunch and, you know, our state or, you know, our district or whatever, or like this person a day, you know, it's like, well, public school is free. It's like, no, no, it is not. It is not free. It is, it, it is, it's free for you because you, in the sense that you don't see it come out of your pay, right? It's just, you know, it's just, it's, you don't have to actually write that check, you know, to, to pay your, you know, your taxes that go to, to go for your public schools, wherever you live. And you're, you know, people, they get that thing and they're like, it's free. It's like, no, the F is not, it's not free. Somebody's footing the bill and it's you, John Q taxpayer. And, you know, but I wholeheartedly agree, you know, it's even if, you know, your, your, your kids are graduating out of the house, right? Like, like, you know, for you guys, why do I have to pay taxes for schools that I'm not using? Right. When my kids are, you know, graduating and grown, why am I paying taxes to, you know, to support public schools. And especially why am I paying taxes to support public schools when these public schools have turned into nothing more than communist indoctrination camps, right? With, you know, with Willow, the, you know, the purple haired, you know, lesbian with a lesbian dance theory degree who can't get a real job. So she's either going to be a barista at Starbucks or she winds up as a teacher, Right oh, at your public okay. school, telling your telling your three year old, you know that 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 he can be a girl if he just gets his, you know, if he just gets his junk pushed in, you know, it'll be an innie instead of an Audi, right? That's that's what you have at your public school. I don't under I don't want my tax dollars going to that. 
Sorry. In fairness, not all teachers are like that. You know, I mean, we got we got a couple of listeners who, and it, we've always said this. We talked about teachers a lot, right? Uh, uh, teachers are like soldiers, and what I've learned is, uh, teachers, soldiers, and nurses are there are a lot of commonalities there between the three professions. I'll just I'll just put it that way. And the good ones are great. The good ones are some of the best people you'll meet. But man, those bad ones. Jiminy Christmas, man. You just can't get over the bad ones. And the bad ones give the good ones a super, super horrible name. You know, it's just... Well, they didn't the, help the, themselves the bad... during COVID. I mean, you know, we talked about teacher repu- you know, reputations in general. And I know I just got you off. So if you got a thought, go no, sorry. finish that. Go ahead. Well, I just... They didn't with, help during themselves co- throughout... During COVID, yeah, I'll throughout put COVID. it to you this way. During COVID, I, I'm not going to... I'm sorry. But during COVID, it's like my sister, who's a teacher... She doesn't listen, so F her, but <laughs> but <laughs> it drove her crazy. It drove her crazy because she has a personal connection. She's one of the good ones. She gets a personal connection with these kids and actually follows them as they get older and stuff and sees the ones who have promise. She cares. She cares. And what she saw during COVID was breaking her heart. It was breaking her heart because she saw what was going on. But how many of those, what is she, like in the 10 percentile, 10 percentile maybe? If that, well, it's not about the kids, you know, and it hasn't been about the kids for a long time because if it was about the kids, and I can only speak for Arizona, what I want to see here is metrics that are coming out because here's the deal if public schools were the best place for my kids to get an education and be successful in life, obviously, I would want my kids to go to public schools. But I have put three kids uh, all the way through the university level, and I know, and, and you hit it on the head. I can look back at my kids going through school and I, I can remember, I can recall one teacher that truly gave a shit. That was like, man, this is a squirt of a teacher who actually cares about my kid. And that teacher came to the house uh, when my son broke half his bones in his body, uh, came over here, you know, three days a week, tutored him, taught him, brought less. And she would complain. And she was a former principal. She would complain. She's like, I can't believe how bad it is. She's like, I'm trying to get assignments for these, from these other teachers for him. And so it's like, they don't care. And it's not about the kids. It's about them padding their pockets and keeping their money. You know, that's what it's about. Because if it's about truly about the kids, show me the performance, show me the metrics. Uh, nine times out of 10, I'm betting the private schools probably have better standardized test scores. Just what I'm saying. You know, what I see around here is that private schools are, are, are having an easier time getting into colleges that they want to get into uh, with the majors that they want. Uh, if your metrics are that good in public schools, people will stay there. But they're not because there's no accountability. It, here's the other thing that pisses me off because here, and this is just a snapshot of, of the local area that I live in. We talk about Chandler, Mesa, Gilbert, and Scottsdale, the, the major cities around here. So we're talking about the superintendents, right? And they, and they talked about all this. So basically in, in Arizona, uh, it's, it's I think it's like $10,500 per child, okay, in public school. That's basically what's uh, allotted to the school per child. And if you use the school voucher and you take your kid to a public or a private school or a charter school, they base the state funds $7,500 per child. So it saves money. I mean, it's, it's, it's you know, it, dude, the mental gymnastics these folks are, are making to say, well, that doesn't really save money. Well, no, it does. But I see how it doesn't because when you look at what these administrators are making, okay, don't talk to me about saving money when uh, the Chandler Unified School District superintendent, base salary. $250,000 a year. Get auto allowance. Here. Auto allowance, $900 a month. Annuity, $16,200. Memberships, $5,000 a year. Community, $5,000 a year. Insurance, and then a $10,000 a year stipend. Okay. 
Mesa Public, base salary, $240,000 a year, $900 a month. Uh, auto allowance, $22,000 uh, annuity, $3,000 a year community, uh, no stipend. Uh, Gilbert, $240,000 a year, $1,000 a month auto allowance, $10,000 annuity, $3,000 membership, $3,000 community. Uh, Scottsdale, finally, $216,000 base salary, $700 a month annuity or uh, auto allowance, yada, yada, yada. Don't tell me it's about the money when you're paying the, these guys and gals that, that kind of money. So. So, Josh, how do we fix this, right? How do we fix this? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a tough question. But it's like you look at professions that should be viewed with admiration and reverence almost. The people that we trust our children with for eight hours a day who are going to teach the kids. I mean, it should be an admirable It should be an admirable profession. It should be. Mm -hmm. People should take sure. pride in bringing up the next generation, right? Soldiers the same way. You're defending your country, all that stuff, right? Nurses, doctors the same way. You know, I wish all lawyers were like Atticus Finch. You know what I'm saying? It's like that's who yeah. we want our lawyers, our teachers. Our, that's who we, who we want it to be. So I'm with you guys. It's just like I think, man, the good ones are great. Fix school thing? Well, how do you fix the – teacher thing how do you get them to you know the majority of them to actually give a crap you know i guess i get it man don't don't what you don't you homeschool mm. you have to put it in the system i don't know that's scalable now the, the the voucher thing is going to help with. I, I'm curious to see how this stuff plays out in the next several years because you have to put a dent in the system. You put a dent in in the money and the resources, and you do that through the voucher process. When because I tell you, like down the street here, our charter schools, dude, there is a wait list to get in there. There ain't no wait list to get into public school. There is a wait list to get in those charter schools, and these charter schools out here are expanding and they're getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And you know what? They hold their teachers accountable. And when, Again, when more and more students go there and those charter school attendants uh, start to outweigh the public schools, that's how you start to make a difference. Again, public schools, they did it to themselves. They did it to themselves. Right. When everybody was, uh, you know, up in arms, you know, against Ron DeSantis because he was, you know, using the law as a cudgel against, you know, folks in Florida and people are like, oh, he's banning books. And it's like. A lot of teachers, you know, Randy Wiergarten was at the, you know, at the forefront of it, pushed them out there like we should be allowed to, you know, have these books in our classroom. It's like you're a third grade teacher. Why are you talking to a kid about sex, period? Like why? And you and I'm supposed to trust you. You're like, now anybody with elementary school kids, homeschool your kids. Get them out of public schools. If you can't send them to private school, homeschool them. I'm telling you right now, your kid's gonna be better off. Quit your job, homeschool. Make the cuts you need in your budget and homeschool because See, that's you're the only about... way. What's that? Yeah. No, you, that's the only way what? That's a, dude, that's the only way you're going to save your kids. See, now we're talking about sacrifice. We're talking about sacrifice and we're talking about like bigger issues that we could, we could probably, we yeah. got like five, five yeah. minutes left in this one. But, yeah. You know, reject you modernity, the... right? Reject modernity, yeah. return to tradition. And uh, yeah. The old way of doing things, but you know, I get it. Uh, you it's gave broken me the, now. Uh, presidential debate like, how do you fix climate change? You have 30 seconds, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, real quick, let's uh, no, I'm not even gonna get into that. Not even gonna get into that. How about the next one we do? And it's gonna be damn near February, so we'll have 11 months on the bingo card. Uh, 
because I've got them all written down here. I've got I've got uh, like eight or nine uh, bingo card things. We've got some good ones. We got some good ones, but you know, a constitutional crisis between Texas and the federal government. It's like, damn, <laughs> surely some one of us could have thought of that and somebody could have crossed that off their bingo card. But man, you bring up a good one, uh, Josh, right there is, uh, you know, when I hear you say, and a lot of people are like, oh, Josh, you know, Darren sometimes bitches to me about Josh. It's like, man, Josh is just so whatever. It's like, there's a deeper point a lot of times to what Josh is saying <laughs> that if you if you back off and think about it, it's like he's not just saying quit your job and he's not just saying quit your job and homeschool your kids and that's that. I think that, well, the way I read Josh anyway, maybe I'm totally off base, is that he's saying more than that. He's saying it's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take a change, a fundamental 100%. change in the way things are done. So I, I get it. Um, and we could talk about that for a long time, like the nuclear family and education yeah. and all this. <laughs> it's crazy, dude. It's crazy. Roger, what are you your – uh, well, go ahead. Sorry. No, I say you go back and you look at where this all started going wrong. It was the passing of the Civil Rights Act in the sense of <laughs> it established it established a welfare state, which, you know, it, that's when that's when the nuclear family started really to go away. It started in the black community, and then it's, you know, it's just progressed, um, you know, that you, you want to fix a lot of problems. The fixing starts at your dinner table. It starts at your dinner table every night with your family. That's where the problems of this country get solved, right there. And that takes a lot. Of, that takes a lot of effort. In it the takes, modern yeah, world, that takes a lot, a lot of effort. Of effort. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It takes a lot of effort, but I mean, that's the you know, that is the that is the burden of you know of of having a country, right? Why that's, is Beto or Rourke trending on X right now? What the hell Francis. is going on? I just Frank, saw him something. Yesterday, yeah. and it was like He's, I haven't seen that dude in months. I'm going to give you my last comment on on this. I'm going to close it out how we started with immigration, and this is a comment from one of our listeners, and it's spot on. All right, and this is why I support legal immigration. "Quote: We need Julio the welder and Vije the engineer because all we America can produce is Willow, the misgender barista with 100k <laughs> and unpaid student loans and a BA in whore life studies." We don't need any more unskilled laborers. We have plenty of those. End quote. <laughs> yeah. That's a good I love one. It. I love it. Hey, you said that was a listener that said that? Yep. Can you shout out a first name? Admiral Dave, baby. Admiral Dave. He said that? That came off his dome? Yep. Oh. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, we it. always say... We're always going to say, we always say, I'll, I'll give these shout outs. Oh, we'll get to it on the next episode. But this time I truly mean it. <laughs> I'm not going to give these shout outs. I'll wait, I'll save it to the next episode. I'm going to kick it to Roger because he never closes us out. So, Roger, wrap it up for whatever, us, brother. Whatever, whatever. Now, good episode, man. We didn't even get into politics. See? We had to keep Josh happy. So we stayed out of the politics. We'll talk about the 2024 election and the Olympics. I do think we need to look at our bingo cards, though. So this week we need to look at our bingo cards and then, uh, We'll put it out on Slack and get some, uh, you know, some listener reader feedback or something like that to add to our bingo card. Uh, maybe before or after, I guess after the next episode, we can we can publish that out there. But uh, hey, thanks for everybody uh, for listening. Uh, you know, having to bear with my my little bit of a cold here. I you know I went on a cruise and I got like herpagonosyphilates. Came home with it, gave it to my wife the other day, 
and I think it mutated and I think she gave it back to me. So, you know, the joke's on me. I was feeling pretty good. And then, you know, yesterday she started sneezing and coughing. I was like, where'd you get sick from? You know, I get that, 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 you know, <laughs> I get that look. And then I woke up this morning, I'm like, I think I'm sick again. So anyway, thanks for listening. Uh, stay safe out there. Do not go to Texas. Like Josh said, I do not uh, recommend going down there to uh, help fight the, the fight on the border, whatever side you're on. Uh, but keep your canteen cups tightly secured and full of some good booze.